Welcome to the Real People, Real Business Show. My name is Stephanie Hayes, and I'm a business strategist who helps mature entrepreneurs design their wealthy exits. Whether that means building an asset-based business model for an eventual sale or simply taking yourself out of your business while enjoying its continued growth. I love to speak with like-minded entrepreneurs to share their real stories and the gritty details of how they've navigated their own way through. On this show, you won't hear about the glamorized entrepreneurship journeys that you see online. You won't be told how to make six figures in six weeks. Instead, you can expect to hear real vulnerable and inspiring stories that you can relate to that have helped create the foundation for each of our guests' businesses. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Asher Lobb. Asher began classical violin training at the tender age of two and had already performed with the Buffalo Philharmonic by age 13. Asher's expertise in transgenre improvisation has led to, that is such a mouthful, transgenre improvisation has <laughs> led him to a career as a, viol- as a soloist on demand, performing at venues such as Madison Square Garden, Hammerstein Hall, Lincoln Center, the Jacob Javits Center, and across four continents. Asher has also been featured on PBS and has made headlines on CNN, WABC, NBC, and many other major news sources. Asher is known for breakdancing across stages with his LED electric violin, in addition to performing as a DJ violinist, bringing his experience as a live performer and technical prowess as an auto-editing and mixing guru to countless clubs and stages across the country. Welcome to the show, Asher, and thanks so much for taking the time to share your story today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We have been chatting about uh, the business side of your music, but back up a bit and tell me the story. How did you get to where you are right now? Because you've been very innovative, and I think that you have followed a really interesting journey of entrepreneurship, even though your background and your you know your main work has been as a performing artist. Yeah, I've had quite an interesting circuitous route to this point, and um, what's driven the root has has really ultimately been my passion and my i guess just seeking joy in life um and i guess the impetus to that kind of frame of mind was um you know the loss of the ability to to uh i I lost my health Uh, i lost my you know almost lost my life and um that sort of helped me reframe things so that's again that's just kind of giving that a little bit of background there um it all started at age two like like you mentioned um my mother pretty much started me off on this this course and uh, didn't really expect me to make this a full-time professional career because the idea was, okay, MD, PhD, that's kind of how our family goes. And, you know, w- when I reached college, I was already earning an income in music, so it was sort of a no-brainer for me. Okay, so you, so you, you achieved this uh, status as a performing artist. But you've also forayed into um, into other areas, into other pursuits. Can you talk a little bit more about those? Um, well, I guess you could be referring to a number of things. Uh, I I pursued other degrees, uh, other uh, you know nine to five uh, degrees. I have three others in the sciences from NYU and other top top tier universities, YU, masters, uh, bachelors, um, BSN. I mean, all these things were kind of setting the stage for, you know, a nursing degree, a nursing career, uh, career in education, administration, all that stuff. And I did pursue those for a few years. And, and I, again, lost, lost my health. And that, that helped me reshift, reframe and move me back into music, which was really all always, it was happening since 2001. So uh, even while I was 
completing my degrees uh, in New York, I was working my way through the circuit and playing private events, concerts, and paying my bills uh, while in university. So it's a pretty, pretty easy transition. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, my sister is a musician and um, the, the business of music is, is not, it's not easy. Right. And, uh, and in some ways you have to be, you know, you have to have similar skill sets in the sense that you, you do need to market yourself and you need to sell yourself. And I think what she found out as she figured out was, you know, this, this is hard, right? Like this is the, the business side of music is almost <clears throat> more of an indicator of success in terms of how you build those skills than how good you are as a musician. Is that true? Absolutely. Very much what you said is, is, is the case. And what's interesting is that the first half of my music career, while I was working my way through school and earning, just paying the bills, uh, working on weekends, so on and so forth, uh, there, was, there was very little business mindset. Um, I didn't have time, time to think about the business aspects of being a musician. I was fortunate enough to have uh, booking agents just bringing me on because uh, I, I brought a, a unique skill set to the table for venues and, and, and for clients and so on and so forth. But uh, once I had made the shift to full time, I realized, okay, I, I really have to start ramping up my income and I have to start taking more control of what I'm doing on the artist end of things and, and really know what's going on. What are the booking agents doing? What are the promoters doing to, to even bring me on? Um, I, I needed to start kind of having a 360, 360 degree view and understanding uh, especially when you factor in uh, the horror stories that that music, independent musicians signed to labels and management end up in with these, pardon the pun, but 360 deals. That's actually what they're called, uh, which I, it pretty much means you're getting screwed. <laughs> uh, you know, they take all your royalty, royalties and you don't get the money back for many years uh, unless you have a very successful tour. So, so I kind of, because I had a family, or at least I was married at the time, um, so I'm going to say about 10 years ago, I, I, I started thinking about marketing and social media and uh, connecting directly with clients, having them book me directly and still working along with uh, working, working in, you know, tandem with uh, different booking agents. But that's when I sort of put on the marketing hat. And I, I think it's been not I think it's been very rewarding. It's been quite a challenge. Uh, uh, wearing multiple hats, you know, as a musician, as an artist, as a producer, as a performer, and then as a as a a, a marketing manager, a CEO, pretty much, with people under me who carry out, you know, my recommendations um, to help help me grow my channels, help me grow uh, Fiddler's Dream Productions, which is my entertainment group. Um, in addition to myself as an artist, uh, I can go on and on. It's just it's uh, it's a complicated. It's a complicated shift. Well, that's why I was so interested in having you on the show because I uh, I think as an independent artist, you are pretty much an entrepreneur, right? You you do have to learn and know how you are going to navigate <clears throat> your next contract and your next gig and your next performance. And I know that you can work through booking agents, but as you've mentioned, that's not always necessarily the most viable option. And you put all of your control and you put all of your, your fate inside of someone else's hands. So how often do independent artists um, actually make that transition? 
I think there's a growing number of, of artists that are, you know, because there are different courses offered out there. Um, some of them are like, eh. <laughs> but I, I, haven't, I haven't encountered a course that's been entirely useful, but you get lots of tidbits of usefulness. Um, and you see that there's like a whole drive. There is a, there, there's, like I mentioned, a growing number of, of uh, independent artists really looking to take control of their careers because they see that the resources are, are immediately at their disposal. They are available, maybe not as much the connections, but uh, so if you think of your business as an independent artist, as, as you know, you're a CEO, and you know you try to bring in shareholders and investors. Many uh, often are, are your um, your fans. Um, you know you might have wealthy fans that they, they can kind of commit to to donating or or investing and then getting a percentage back. There are there are systems out there like that, like uh, Corit, for instance. Uh, people investing in you as a, uh, sort of as a shareholder, as like a publicly traded type of independent slash independent artist concept. That's another way that that I've. You know, I've considered monetizing my career. There are just many different ways that you can monetize. The, 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 I'm going to say the trickiest part of growth uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur uh, and artist is, aside from the multiple hats, is knowing how to, knowing how to manage uh, pretty much your employees um, and knowing how to kind of keep them continuously working for you because they, they have other opportunities out there. And, and, they could drop you just like you can drop them. So I'd say that's been the biggest challenge. And I think as an artist, you're always creating a brand too, right? I think at this in this day and age, people have access to so much more about you than just the art you're creating. Whether you're, you know, a musician or you know, a more traditional artist, I think that um, you know a lot of your time and effort is going into building the brand around the music, isn't it? That's right. Uh, a lot of it's branding. And, uh, you know, people are attached to your brand. Uh, I, I'm playing, I'm playing music, new songs pretty much every day on social media. So I, I don't even have time to perfect things at this point, you know, unless I'm releasing music video, that's a kind of a high budget one. Uh, you know, my, my releases on Spotify, they're curated. My music videos on YouTube, they're, they're curated on social media. It's a big fat mess. So I'll just put, I'll just plug in some music and I'll just start jamming away and whatever comes out, comes out. Cause I don't have time. Um, and the speaking to what, what we were just addressing, the, the fans that they love you, they love your branding. They don't care if you play a note out at slightly out of tune or not. They, they're attracted to you as a person, they're the kind of this holistic type of thing. They just want to see you. And that's why it's really just important to build rapport with fans. Cause they, you know, they share, share your branding. They are, um, they're, uh, what we call representatives, agents of, uh, they're advertisers in a sense. Uh, they, they share your music, they share your content with friends, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Yep. My daughter uh, had her guitar concert on Sunday night, and she had a solo and, you know, played a few wrong notes, and she listened to it afterwards and was nearly crying. And I'm like, you know what? When you become a big rock star, you could play as many wrong notes as you want and no one's going to care. And in fact, nobody did care who was at the the show. You sounded yeah. great. Nobody would have known if you hadn't made that cringy face when you played them. Um, so yes, I, I think that's, I think that's super interesting because we're constantly as business owners thinking about who we are as people. And I think even if you're not, if you're not just a solo entrepreneur, I think even if you are leading a bigger company, your your audience or your clients are 
increasingly more interested in who's behind the company, who you are, what what you stand for. And so do you find that you need to create more than just the music in, in all of your profiles? Like, are people curious about who you are as an individual and who, and like what you stand for? Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially the people that are DMing me, sending, you know, that are on my, my mailing list. I know they're the most interested. Um, people that are, that are constantly sharing my music and commenting. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenging situation. Um, and you, you really have to be careful about what you say to pretty much your average Joe Schmo, like anybody who just sends you a message and seems like they're like a nobody or they're unimportant. You know, everybody's important. Um, everybody in your life, everybody reaches out to you, whether they seem it or not. Um, because again, these, these can be people who can be your clients or your agents or representatives of people who are, are advocates for you. And, um, I've, I've, it's taken me a few years to really, um, to really shift to that perspective that, you know, your fans are your, um, are, are essentially your clients. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess, I guess that's just a maturity thing that, that eventually, uh, it's just sort of intuitive now. Yeah. And what is your brand? Like, what do you think that your super fans are connecting with? Um, well, my super fans are just connecting with me, uh, because I've literally produced some, I've, I've produced material that I'm not even in love with, uh, that they've just completely been head over heels attracted to, um, doesn't make any sense to me. It's just cause they, they, they love the branding that I've created. Um, and it's not for everybody, you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't attract everybody. No, I'd Um, hope not. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, cause otherwise it's, it's impossible, but, uh, it is, I've been, I've made sure to stay true to myself. Uh, it hasn't been easy, uh, cause I haven't always wanted to be that way. I've, I haven't always wanted to be, I, I've, I've looked at other artists and just, and told myself, okay, I want to be that person. I want, you know, I want to be David Garrett, Lindsay Strode, blah, blah. I, I really am, am myself now, uh, for the most part. And especially because I don't have a choice, but to be myself. And I guess social media, fo- uh, forces us in that type of position where, you know, we're posting stories of our, personal lives. And uh, that's what people want to see people engage with. So yeah, I'm pretty much an open book at this point. But, Maybe that's uh, why I don't have a huge social media following. My personal life is pretty boring. <laughs> you know, God bless you. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> keep, keep, keep going with that non-social media life. I actually was talking about this with a couple of musicians yesterday and they're, they're, uh, they're like, yeah, I don't do social media. I'm like, good. Uh, Cause you'll become a slave to it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. I think that the times where I've really been like, I'm gonna, you know, really make an effort on on social media, and it, it's um, you got to be committed. That to say the least. Yeah, and if you could describe that brand that you've created, like what what do you think it is that people are attracted to about you? Um, I've actually seen. Um, I'm trying to think how to phrase this, but I've, I've actually seen some interesting comments that popped up in my feed that I maybe weren't supposed to, uh, that maybe realize how important what I was doing. I didn't even realize what I was doing to, um, in terms of connecting with fans. Uh, I, I treat, I treat fans like royalty, um, in the sense that I, I, I give them the ultimate respect. And, and those are the people that are, I think are most attracted to me, the people that, that are looking for a connection instead of mm-hmm. to like worship a, 
you know, a celebrity god, you know, mu top musical top 40, you know, obsession type of situation. They're looking for somebody who genuinely knows that they're there and um, plays meaningful, deep music that that's instrumental. You know, I'm a violinist. People uh, of all walks of life tend to tend to like violin as long as it sort of uh, covers the, the gamut of genres, which is what I do. Uh, but I saw a post on social media that, that I guess some influencer asked, what is it, uh, what is it that can you, can you cite or can you refer to a, an artist who, who I guess did something that you has done something that you, that was unexpected. This happened like a year or two ago. I don't remember the exact phrasing. And a couple of, um, of my super fans posted, um, Asher, like they, they linked me, they said Asher Lobb, um, he's he's really unusual because he he takes the time to respond and and doesn't doesn't put himself on a on a pedestal and it and I, when i when i saw that comment i it, it meant the world to me because it it kind of reaffirmed what i'd been doing up until that point and i didn't really see much value in it and now now it's like a no-brainer for me that i really have to treat people with the kind of it's not like a top-down relationship it's a it's an equal method equal type of relationship. I play music, you know, you feel a certain degree of reward and it's like a back and forth type of give and take. Hope that's useful to your audience. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think there'll be actually quite a number of listeners who identify as artists and as independent artists. And I think that this is all really relevant because I think as much as we bemoan the, um, the demands of being on social media, I think it's also really democratized art, right? And enabled people who would never have the platform or never be able to, you know, break through because a lot of artists are very introverted or very, um, you know, unsure about sharing their art and may never have reached those booking agents or may never have reached the or had the relationships to get to the people who could, you know, work for them. And even that business, it's not about, it never is about how good you are. It's about the brand that you can bring to the table. Right. Absolutely. Um, it is ultimately about the brand you can bring to the table. Um, the marketing aspects are really crucial as well. Um, I, I do, I do want to mention if I hadn't mentioned it prior that my life is become um, infinitely more complicated <laughs> since I shifted into a, you know, wearing the marketing hat, uh, which is, I guess, why artists seek a label. Um, but I don't know if I would trade it for anything. Same yeah. Thing. I mean, if you can get past that hump where it start, where it's very, very uncomfortable and you can at least understand what needs to be done, I imagine that the trade-off of being able to have much more control over your destiny, so to speak, and your, you know, how you show up in the world is, is infinitely worth it. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. A lot of the, right. my musician counterparts, they, they've chosen to take the path that I had taken 10 years prior and, you know, they're, they're okay. They just want the stability and right. I'm looking for that. I'm not right. looking for the routine. I'm looking for something different. That's the entrepreneur in me. Yeah. And it's very much the same as, you know, people who stay in their jobs versus people who decide to start their own business. It's not for everybody and that's fine. Right. It doesn't have to be. So have, so talk to me about um, how you make money. 
So I imagine you get paid for your performances, but have you diversified your income sources? Yeah, it's kind of odd. There's this, for some reason, the, the majority of my income is still from live performances, um, which which is good. You know, I could see people um, who are kind of completely dependent on social media looking at me and be like, I want to do that, you know, but I'm looking at them saying, I want to do that, you know, because um, there's something cool about doing everything from, you know, the comfort of your own home studio, uh, something I've been growing. Anyway, to answer your question, uh, I have multiple streams of income, uh, even though the majority of my income is, is from live performances. I have uh, fans that, that uh, support me, uh, that, that help me, that invest in royalties, uh, my music on Spotify, iTunes, so on and so forth. People buy my music online uh, on my website and also on the major platforms, Deezer, you know, Amazon, so on and so forth. Uh, what else can I say? Uh, streams are, are an indirect way of monetizing. Uh, so I guess that's, that, that is somewhat related to, you know, booking agents and companies that want to collaborate with you. They see that you have an audience. So they want like, they want you to produce a you as in me uh, to produce, you know, music videos, for instance, with them sponsoring it. So, you know, directs traffic to them. That that's another form. Um, I earn, I earn money off of, uh, streaming. So, uh, on Instagram, Facebook. So I get, I get paid, uh, like per stream type of stuff. And, uh, I'm trying to remember, okay. I mentioned royalties, uh, selling albums, uh, live performances. Sometimes it's, it's, it's easy to forget. <laughs> I, I remember very quickly when I, I do my, my taxes, all the bookkeeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, those are a, a harsh reality. Um, and so it, tell me about partnerships. So is it, it yeah. Does that exist in the in the music business? Because I know in in most um, industries, it's a it's a pretty quick way for you to increase your income. Yeah, and it's something I've been working on more and more. Um, yeah, a number of uh, so I have short term partnerships with, with with pretty large companies. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll do like reviews for violin. Sometimes I'll get, I'll get paid for that type of stuff. Uh, different instruments, and you know, uh, I don't know different interviews for for uh, for. Uh, luthiers and violin makers and um you know companies that sell products like long island violin shop that type of stuff those those types of companies small businesses um uh you know you, i guess you could say it's somewhat of a partnership if i'm doing a live event for for tnt or cnn or uh you know the history channel that type of stuff uh they're essentially paying me and then i'm promoting on the social media uh and i'm doing an event for them and we're kind of cross-promoting so that's that's a form of a partnership. Also, you know, booking agents and uh, event planners. That's a form of a partnership. Other musicians. Well, that's a form of a partnership. They're they're booking me. I'm booking them. We're sort of trading events. Uh, put me on on concerts. I put them tema, put them on concerts and different types of events. Uh, the the uh, what other types of partnerships? Am I, am I missing? I mean, there are just many of them listed on Fiddler's Dream Productions, which is uh, fiddlersdreammusic.com, which is my entertainment group. Um, there are all those corporate partnerships that I've had in the past. Um, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. I've had a lot. It's of okay. The, the, the point is, is that they, they exist and that they're a vehicle for, I'm assuming, finding new uh, venues or finding new um, ways to distribute or become known for your art. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you have a team. And so tell me a little bit about who you're working with and when did that, when did you decide that you needed some help? Uh, when I was continuously going to bed at like two in the morning every night and I'm like, this is unsustainable. And my wife was getting upset. My kids weren't seeing me. Um, it's very much a full-time job. Um, and then some, so, so I started seeking, seeking specialists. Um, you know, when you're in a position like mine where, you know, you're not doing the brick and mortar so much uh, as an independent artist, because, you know, for me, my clients and my fans and my relationships are national and international in many respects. So brick and mortar isn't, isn't so useful, um, but it's really just like the online presence. So, so I had to, I had to bring on, uh, I guess, one employee at a time social media management, um, folks that help with, with outreach, um, you know, just, just doing collaborative relationships with other artists, um, you know, getting bookings for my entertainment group, uh, working with clients, event planners, those type, types of stuff, just doing outreach. That's, that, that's just some of the work that my, my employees uh, handle and uh, saves me hours and hours of time. We're talking thousands of, of hours and I'm really looking to ramp that up because uh, it just uh, when I can depend on somebody or depend on multiple people, uh, there's, there's no replacing that. So human capital is really probably the most important aspect of my business and part of my success. And what, what is it that you want to be freed up to do? Is that, is that, you know, life stuff? Is that more development on the artist front? Is that, you know, producing music? What's the priority right now? Uh, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I don't feel like I have enough time to produce the music that I, I want to the, old, to the level of quality that I want in order to kind of pitch it to, to high-end collaborators, other artists, um, or very much established. Um, and I, I, yeah, so to answer your question simply, the music, obviously my family's core to my life, uh, but as far as the music uh, and the art goes, I, 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 wanna, I wanna just know what's going on on the business end of things. Uh, I wanna be in the dark where you're sort of with the label and the label could just drop you on your, on your butt one day because they don't like you or something's going on with your business. You don't know what it is because you don't understand the a- different aspects of it. Here's like, I have employees, they report to me. I have a question about what's going on, like what's, what's going wrong. And I understand the algorithm more. I understand the, um, um, I understand what's working, what isn't working by them reporting to me. And that's just sort of, I think the most useful way to run a business. If you could look at a guy like Elon Musk, if he has a question, you know, that he's going to get the answer as opposed to, being a specialist and then just sort of depending on a third party to promote you. And then they can just drop you whenever they want. Yeah. So, I mean, the key to being independent artist is the independence, right? And I, I, you know, I guess it's the trade-off between do you take control over your own growth or do you let that sit in someone else's hands? Yeah. And I, I guess the horror stories were enough to get me working my tail off to do it myself. Um, it means I, I grow slower, but uh, it's more steady. And yeah. I've been able to look at the numbers and the monthly income and I'm able to see, oh, when I'm doing XYZ strategy, incomes like this, uh, I shift to ABC strategy, incomes like this, maybe at a different different level and then I can sort of scale from there. 
You mentioned something when we were talking earlier um, about how you use data and analytics to drive what your next strategy is going to be. Can you talk a little bit? Because I'm a, I come from the technology world and I'm a huge data person. So it made me really happy to hear that there was this marriage of data and artistry. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, it's cool to talk to you. Um, somebody uses data, somebody in the tech world, because they're very, very much, you know, the major labels, they're bringing in tech people to do this kind of stuff. So that's sort of the way I think. But uh, when you don't have a big budget, like myself, a uh, number of years ago, I'm starting with an Excel chart. And it's actually, I haven't found anything quite comparable to something as simple as, a, as Excel. So those of your listening, those of your listeners who are limited in budget, just use that. You know, you can do multiple tabs, you can collect thousands of pieces of data. And if you have the correct formulas, you can automatically collect essential, targeted, whatever. Um, um, what are they, PK, uh, PKIs or PKIs? KPIs? Yeah, there we go. Key performance um, indicators. <laughs> yeah, performance indicators. Thank you. KPIs. Um, and you can, you can determine, you know, where am I getting the best ROI? Um, and uh, that's something that I've, I've been able to look at year, year after year, um, what works, what doesn't. And I can actually see, you know, three years ago, I actually earned a higher income, but I was taking, I, I was doing more risky business and I was hiring out to like third party um, marketing teams. I had no idea what they were, they were doing. I didn't know if they were ruining my, band, my brand for the long term. And here, I, I, I know, for instance, this year, income's a little bit lower, but it's steady and it's predictable. And, um, you know, I'm able to create formulas, uh, collecting data over like a month, two months, three months, um, net, um, gross, um, how much my taxes are, whatever. And I know, and I'm able to access uh, clients from three years ago. I know what, what's been quoted three years ago. And I know what to quote, you know, in that context, uh, if I'm being booked at a certain, certain venue or, you know, certain number, certain number of people, um, or concert, whatever. So it kind of helps me keep things stable. Yeah, I love that. And I, th I think a lot of people wouldn't put those two and two together. But again, like we're talking about the business of artistry and, and I, I don't think it changes it depending your product just happens to be a little bit different than what others are. But my strategy in many ways could be similar. For instance, uh, yes. when you're dealing with affiliate, affiliate marketing, our uh, percentage based commission, uh, influencers, uh, advertising. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, very similar. Um, yeah. The message is different. Yeah, hundred percent. You mentioned uh, that you you do spend quite a bit of time making new music. So what's what have you figured out? I mean, with all your data and analytics, what do, what have you figured out is sort of your innovation cadence, so to speak? How how frequently do you need to be producing new music in order to keep that interest and keep the the brand active? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I see the numbers uh, rise and, and fall in social media. And, and uh, to answer your question simply, about every month. Uh, if, oh. I, if I had the resources, I'd do it twice a month. Uh, but once yeah. a month, producing a high-end piece of quality piece of content uh, that people look forward to, um, keeps the fans engaged and keeps a rotation of engaged fans for the most part, uh, along with a million other things that I have to do around those releases. Uh, but that's a simple answer to your question. Yeah. And are you producing electronic music? Are you producing, because you, you mentioned that you have sort of a trans-genre approach to your music. So let's nerd out on that a little bit. Um, how did that come to be and, and what, what's that all about? 
So uh, it's me. It, the way it came to be is me testing the waters, and I'm still testing the waters. This is why I'm shifting genres often. But what I kind of stay true to the instrumental feature of instrumental um, and merging electronic type sounds and merging the past with the present and like classical uh, type type of uh, sounds. So I'm, you know, I I've, I've been ramping up my releases. Um, ramping up my uh, my production level uh, to like 26 piece symphonies um, as of recently because I'm really trying to kind of up the ante um, uh, with my efforts and uh, I, I started last month with Lord of the Rings uh, I did a Lord of the Rings mm. uh, medley which I'm really you know it's 26 piece symphony like I mentioned it's it's on my website uh, at this at this point uh, it covers Nori Brandyfoot whatever I don't know if people uh, your listeners have have watched the uh you know the amazon series but it's just like a beautiful medley i just felt compelled to do something like that and since i created that and got some good feedback i i am doing more of the symphonic releases along with electronic yeah i was when i read that i was thinking hmm like death metal and madrigals or something like that <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because oddly enough there's there's some affinity uh to the hardcore I don't know if the word is death metal, um, heavy metal type of audience. There are a number of those people that have an affinity to what I release, maybe because it's melodic. Yeah. That I do electric guitar. Well, interestingly enough, uh, just to go down that rabbit hole, I find that some of the, like, if you think about, you know, back to like the 80s um, with some of those kind of hardcore, like the, that the real, like, kind of on the edges type of like speed metal death, but they actually had this very theatrical, um, almost like a classical kind of underpinning to their, their work. And it's funny to think about that, but, and it's not something I, I spend a lot of time listening to, but every time I have, I thought, gosh, they almost have this classical like background. Yeah. And it's sort of like they actually do. And then they have to put on all the death metal makeup to make it <laughs> badass, to make it appealing to the average guy who's like, that's cheesy. I don't listen to classical. But when you put on some distortion, like sound effect, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is cool. I can show this with my friends. Yeah. And then you have to put an umlaut in, in the name of your, uh, of your band, and then you can become a real death metal band. Yeah. <laughs> It's all in the makeup, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think that maybe maybe that would have been my calling if I had been uh, musically inclined back in the day. Um, so what's what's next for you? Like, what do you see in the future? What are you what are you really curious about pot potentially pursuing next? Um, I've mentioned this before. Uh, yeah, I. I I try to stay local as much as possible. I get a lot of I get a lot of calls to do concerts out of town. Um, in fact, is today Tuesday? Today's Tuesday, right? Or it is. It's Tuesday. Tomorrow, I'm supposed to be doing a concert in Miami, and I, I factored in the uh, the family aspect, and I turned it down. Mm. Uh, and I'm pretty much equivalent income, just doing local stuff. So I guess yeah, you, know, you sort of like take yourself off of a pedestal and you think practically, okay, do, do I care about my family? Is it all just about ego here? <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's not for me. A lot right. of people I can see them just jumping on that opportunity. I've done I, I've I've done enough concerts over the years, over the decades, um, that it's um, that that it's important to sort of take control of your personal life as well as your professional. But to answer your question, 
uh, a full scale scale tour is something that I'd like to do within the context of supporting my family. Um, as in like, not just financially, but having time for them, having time for my kids who are growing up, got a three year old, 10 year old. And, uh, that's the direction that I see this going in because playing, um, playing with like a, a celebrity, uh, or big rock star or whatever, um, their music isn't the same as playing a concert, half the size, a quarter of the size featuring your music with fans that are truly dedicated to your message and your music. Uh, so that's really the direction that I see this going in more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the parallels are so great between like entrepreneurs too, because not everybody wants to go into business to build some, you know, world crushing, um, you know, big enterprise. And uh, that's always, you know, traditionally been the, the de facto goal was to create some, you know, you know, some, some industry killer, but I think a lot of a lot of independents, a lot of solo entrepreneurs are going into business so they can have the life, right? And they can have some meaningful work and they can do something that really comes from their own creativity, whether that's creative work or it's, you know, the execution of whatever I'm an expert in. So I think that there's a there's a really strong parallel there. And it sounds like you are building a future that is values based as opposed to, you know, economically. Yeah, you, you, you took the words out of my mouth pretty much, and you, you said it way better than I would have ever. Um, that's, that's why I chose this path. And I think if there's a growing number of people who, with the quiet quitting, um, is, that, is that the phrase, the, the grand uh, exit, whatever they called after, after COVID, there are millions of people who quit their jobs. They're like, you know, I'm, I'm seeking happiness. That's sort of been me over the last 10 years. Uh, people are looking for meaning, meaning in their lives, they're looking for uh, to, they're looking for joy. Life is short, you know, make the most of it. You know, we're not just, it's not worth just being, being slave to somebody else, to the man, uh, for the next 30, 40 years, just so you can have a retirement. Um, right. Yeah. Right. I have a question that I ask every, all my guests, um, I'm going to change it just a little bit for you, but what's the difference between what we hear out there in the world of business and maybe for you it's the world of you know me, being a musician or or being an artist and what's real like what's that difference and what's the biggest difference between what we hear out there and what's real uh within the within the context of influencers and musicians I mean, I hope I'm answering your question correctly, or, or at least in the way that you're expecting. It's cur curated um, material is uh, runs rampant. I mean that in the pejorative uh, on social media. So people sort of pretend to be the bigger artists. They, they they sort of pretend to do things on the fly uh, when they've taken that video or that photo eighteen thousand times before they post because they're you know, whatever they're being managed or because they have to be careful about the engagement rate. And it's something I try to do a little bit less of. Uh, I try to show people my real side. Um, I guess that's what stories is all, is all about. Um, but, but then there's also like the, 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 the frustrating behind the scenes, you know, if you're, you're a public figure, uh, where like myself, people, people see what I do all the time. They see, you know, they'll see me at an event and then they'll see me online, whatever. Uh, they don't know, they don't know about the conversations I'm having behind the scenes with my employees or with, with, uh, 
you know, with companies or working out contracts or maybe, maybe I'll eventually have to create a vlog about it. <laughs> maybe that's something that's going to interest people, but, uh, that's sort of some of the contrast between reality yeah. and what's curated. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that that applies to any of any of these business owners is that you see a lot of this sort of curated um, content out there that's meant to be off the cuff, but it actually is not. And I think it sets people up with incorrect expectations and they, they're constantly questioning themselves as to why it's not as easy for me, right? It's not as easy for me. I don't get the same results. Why is it take me so many more tries? And, and it like the, I think the message to everybody is it's not like, it's not easier. <laughs> You're just yeah. seeing that. Yeah, it isn't easier. And, and a lot of these people drive themselves to the brink. And um, when you have a larger audience, you have that much more stress. And you don't know how many of these people are just hyped up on medication or, you know, may, maybe maybe some of them are just completely smooth. But you, you, you constantly hear about these celebrities uh, where, you know, the risk that they're taking significantly greater risk because of the status that they have. And, you know, guys like Kanye West, for instance, he's I mean, he, he he probably I don't even know if he sleeps. I mean, he's, he's just, he's flubbed all these interviews. He's, he's having a lot of difficulty in his personal life. And, uh, you know, I don't think anything's easy for him these days. No. And I, and I think that's why we see a lot of, you know, celebrity meltdowns because it never gets any easier. Right. It does not, uh, not, not, not as you grow, not as you grow, you get smaller, it gets a little easier. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. Well, and who knows what the the future holds, but it sounds like you've got uh, everything kind of wrapped up and you you've been learning and you've been watching. And I think that's really important for a lot of entrepreneurs is to always make sure that you're keeping track of what's actually happening, what your results look like. And, and uh, even if you're in a very creative business. Uh, Absolutely. And even having a mentor where where you'd sort of expect a decent amount of, I have a mentor, a decent amount of like support and insight. to like what to look out for. You got to depend on yourself when you're an independent artist. Yeah. Yeah. And and as an entrepreneur as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, We're coming up on time, but I wanted to ask you if you can share with the audience how they can find you and you need to go. I should have had you bring your, your, your instrument on and just perform for us. But I'm imagining there are plenty of opportunities for you to, for anyone to find your music and find you performing. So can you tell us what the best place is to find you? Sure. Um, Well, thank you. So uh, astrolab.com, A-S-H-E-R-L-A-U-B com is my artist website. Um, Fiddler's Dream Music, uh, way too long of a name. com is my entertainment group. Um, corporate events, weddings, those types, of, those types of things, concerts. Um, the the artist aspect, which people tend to be more interested in, uh, just search my name, Astrolab. I think I'm the only Astrolab in the country <laughs> on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook. I, I go live weekly. Um, uh, Twitter, I'm on all those major platforms. And if you want to listen to my curated music, my produced, um, mastered music, that's on Spotify, all major platforms. These are uh, iTunes, Amazon, so on and so forth. Awesome. We'll put all the links into the show notes to make sure everybody can find you. And if you're just listening, just uh, maybe start with asherlob.com and uh, go from there. Awesome. 
Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up, but I am so happy that we had the opportunity to chat with Asher today to hear more about how his business came to be, his experiences along the way, and what the future of the business entails. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Real People, Real Business Show, where we get the real entrepreneurial stories and journeys that you can relate to. The show notes, resources, and links from this episode are available on my website and social media platforms. And if you've enjoyed today's content, I'd love for you to give us a review on whatever platform you're on to help us share these genuine stories with an even bigger audience. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep building, and keep being real.